Back on the Dana and Nick show, man. It's good to hear you again. Week two of our revised show, doing it live like this Thursday night. What are your thoughts on this weekend's games, man? We got four, maybe three we're going to talk about in this episode. Is there one particular game this weekend that you really want to watch and maybe an upset potential this week? Do you think anything will happen on that front? What are your thoughts on the games this weekend? So I think everyone would probably expect me to go WSU-USC because obviously I'm a Coug. Um, But that's not where I'm going to go this week. I'm actually going to go to the Utah-UCLA matchup. I was thoroughly impressed last week by DTR. Um, man, I hate to do it. Oh, I hate to do it, man. Give me your kudos. You, uh, you, you know, you uh, shout out DTR last week. You said you're a believer. And he was perfect. He literally broke two Huskies in half in that one play. Like, <laughs> that run was the nastiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, I didn't really realize how good um, Jake Bobo was down there at UCLA. He's a really, really solid receiver. Runs um, really crisp routes and um, just a big body. And so, um, obviously, they had um, Zach Charbonnet as well. And um, so, what I, I'm just kind of really curious to see how they perform against Utah this week. I mean, obviously, Utah is kind of the flag bearer in the Pac-12. I'm pulling it up right now to see. Um, yeah, so it's back in L.A. again. Um, I want to see um, – also, here, let me get back on my train of thought here. I want to see, um, first off, again, how UCLA just performs. Can, can this offense keep it rolling against U's defense? But also, I want to feel more from this crowd. Um, that was a big game last week. And, yeah, the Rose Bowl got loud at times, but it still can be better. And this is a big game. Like, the Utes – okay, people want to write them off because they lost the four at the beginning of the year. That was one play. And going to the Swamp was never going to be easy for any team ever any year in history of the world. So, um, in terms of upset, um, I don't know what the spread is right now. You got number 11 at number 18, um, UCLA being number 18 at home. I think UCLA is probably not favored by most people. So I would actually have that as maybe a slight upset. Obviously, you know, you got to pull up the spread. That may not be upset. But for me, I just feel like UCLA could do some work this week. And that's the matchup I want to see. Um, obviously, with the Utes, we kind of know who they are. Um, Cameron Rising, you know, um, Dalton Kincaid's now the guy. Um, Devon Vele proved me wrong, did make some good plays last week. He was also another really solid route runner. Um, still not my guy, but um, did more than I thought. I'll give him his kudos. Um, obviously, Tavion Thomas and their defense is going to they're, they're, they're gonna be good on defense. So I really just want to see how UCLA matches up. Are they that team we saw last week? Is DTR that guy? Because if he's that guy, then, I mean, UCLA is for real. I mean, dude, he broke those Huskies in half, dude. Like, that was cold-blooded. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> you know, um, that that's um, really the matchup I kind of want to see. And, again, just – can this Bruins offense keep it going? I think um, their defense, as you touched on last week, probably going to give a couple of points. But um, can the Bruins hold it down at home? Can the crowd show out? And can they get to 6 0? Because 6 0 with the win over Utah and you dub, all of a sudden that little South Alabama squeak by, you can put that in the rearview mirror. Um, so, what um, game are you looking to talk to? You want to kind of talk about UCLA Utah yourself or uh, hop over to matchup? What are you thinking about? Um, yeah, I, I want to talk about the UCLA game a little bit. So um, I've always been a believer of DTR since he was a freshman. He was making mistakes, you know, th- throwing interceptions. But I saw him in person uh, when he was a freshman when he came here to Tucson. I, I, I was convinced from that from that game on, like this guy's for real. He's very good. So I've always been a believer in DTR. The defense really at UCLA has been the problem the last few years in recruiting. But Chip Kelly has got it together 
uh, on the recruiting trail. Transfer portal was good this off season. And uh, the recruiting, is, you know, is like the traditional style of recruiting, I guess, is getting a little bit better. But but really, it's the defense that I think was the biggest surprise from the UW game. Um, Bill McGovern had t- a scheme or a play calling system that really frustrated the Kalen DeBoer's offense, the Husky offense. And nobody's been able to do that all season. The Utes run a different style of offense than UW, obviously. Um, the Huskies are throwing the ball around a lot and Utah is more probably leans slightly more to the run, but it's fairly balanced and they really established their, their offense on the ground, I think. So it's going to be interesting to see if McGovern's scheme or defense play calling is able to handle a different style of offense. Like he, he clearly did something like nobody has done before with the UW um, shotgun base spread pass, but, Utah doesn't really run that. And so it's a whole different animal for the UCLA defense to handle this, this weekend. And the spread I think is three or three and a half. Um, Utah is favored. You mentioned the home crowd, man. I don't even know if they're going to have anything major. I mean, like they've had to cut down the capacity. The, the biggest crowd this season for UCLA was last weekend and it was only like 40 or 50,000. So it's been really small compared to that stadium. I just don't think there's much fan support um, for UCLA football. Even their basketball team struggles at time for fan support. But it'll be interesting to see in this game. And they have not – the Bruins have not faced the caliber of defense, the, the, the um, caliber of defense that Utah has. So they're really going up against something that they've never seen before. Clark Phillips had three interceptions uh, against Oregon State, returned one to the house – it's something like the fifth or the sixth pick six that Utah has had since 2021. So that defense that Morgan Scally puts out for Utah is just something that the Bruins have not seen this season. And it's going to be a really interesting matchup to see how Chip Kelly's system works against that defense. And the past few years, it has not worked at all. I think if you look at the, the games between these two schools over the past few years, Utah has blown them out a few times. And so it'd be interesting to see how it goes this weekend out there. I got Utah winning. Do you have Utah winning or are you picking UCLA on the upset? Oh, man, off the top of my head. Well, now I got to look up um, my picks. I got to make sure I get this right here. Who did I say in my picks this week? That's kind of important here. Let's see. I'm yeah. scrolling. I picked Utah 31 to – UCLA. <laughs> UCLA. I think you thought 31 to UCLA. So, <laughs> that is such solid work. I'm reading it and I misread it wrong. Wow. Um, I picked Utah 31, UCLA 24. That's what I picked. So I'm just going to obviously stick with that. <laughs> okay. So you got Utah covering and with the money line win. Okay. Um, oh, how about uh, let's switch to another game. So let, let's talk about Washington State and USC. Uh, Jake Dickert, man, this guy is just a defensive genius. Every time I have a chance to write about Dickert, I always mention the word genius and defense because he is on another level. He just the way that he schemes up and coaches his players, play calling, um, his preparation before this game and every game I think is really high. Um, for, for a coach in general, I think he takes 
film study and um, strategy when it comes to his scheme and, and play calling styles very seriously. He might be the best in the Pac-12 at doing it on the defensive side of the ball. He has made public comments this week about containing um, Caleb Williams in the pocket. So he, he's not trying to flush Williams out of the pocket. He has identified a strength of Williams, which is making plays what he calls off script and outside of the pocket on the move. And he doesn't want Williams doing that. So he's, his game plan, at least that he's saying publicly, is to try and contain him in the pocket and make him a quarterback or a pocket quarterback and beat him in a traditional sense rather than a moving mobile running quarterback, which is the new age of college football. And he got this scheme or the strategy from watching the Oregon State film, which was really interesting to me because OSU did a very good job of containing Williams. The problem with me, for I, the reason I didn't pick WSU to win and the reason USC is favored by 13, is the offense for the Cougars is turning the ball over way too much, and the USC defense leads the nation in turnovers force. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Nick, about what, what you think of this game and can WSU pull off the upset? First off, uh, I think I'm impressed that we just talked like for 16 minutes with like straight statistics and logic. I think that was pretty solid work. Um, but uh, the second <laughs> the actual game, um, look, the thing is here, and WSU fans aren't going to like this, but this is the – it's just the truth of the matter. WSU has some standouts. You know, you got Brennan Jackson. Uh, you got um, Armani Marsh in the secondary. Sorry, I kind of switched it. You got Armani Marsh in the secondary. You got Brennan Jackson on the line. You got Ron Stone Jr. on the line. So you have some standout, uh, standouts. You got Dion Henley at the linebacker position. But then when you look at, like, USC, it's just top to bottom. It's those names you don't know on USC. And that's going to be the difference in this game. WSU, no matter how you want to cut it, no matter how you want to slice it, no matter how good of a coach Dicker is, football is a game that requires, you know, 30, 40 bodies. This is why I coach back because these guys are geniuses. It's like a military unit. And they have to swap them and they have to use them. And WSU's front line, I think, can definitely hang with USC's front line. But now when you get to these, again, these deeper kind of no-name guys, um, does WSU have enough? do those random two-star recruits that you've never heard of from uh, Henleyville, Idaho. I totally just made up that town or uh, Clarkston, Idaho or Clarkston, Washington. One of those is a real town. It's either Clarkston, Washington or Clarkston, Idaho. Um, cool place. That's where I was at for graduation. <laughs> I swear, bro. Small town, cool place. Watch out for Alice, Nick. You're from Arizona. You know all about that. But um, <laughs> yeah, facts. Um, but uh, no, um, so that, that's my concern here. Um, I think you did a good job actually breaking down the game just as from someone who, you know, went to WSU, I don't feel that they can hang um, 25, 30 bodies with USC. I think it's going to be to uh, tough. But, again, I think I actually picked the same score as the UCLA-Utah um, game. It's kind of random. But I think I picked um, USC 31-24. Uh, and the main reason I kind of wrote for another thing in my writing is um, you, WSU had their chance against Oregon at home. Um, and these are games you just can't lose, you can't blow. Um, Bo Nix made amazing plays, but a team like USC, um, they were already tested against Oregon State. seems like they woke back up. And um, as I wrote, you know, L.A. doesn't give second chances, man. Um, and a team from Pullman who is very close. Um, if Cam Ward was 
one more year down the road, um, I think this upset happens, but just not yet. There's something about those big lights in USC. Um, everyone wants to go down there and maybe just a little jittery. And as you mentioned, USC, um, I actually know it leads the nation in turnovers. Um, you know, one or two can quickly balloon and uh, one or two against an offense like that. Again, I just think it's too much to overcome. But again, I picked a close game, um, USC 31-24. Um, go Cougs with all my heart, but I'm just, I just don't see it happening in L.A. Yeah, so you have Washington State covering since the spread is 13 and you got them losing by seven. So that's actually, I think they'll cover the spread too. Um, all right, so I think we covered Washington State, USC. How about, okay, give me your thoughts really quickly on Arizona State and Washington. The Huskies have not won in Tempe since 2001, have seven straight losses at um, Arizona State Stadium. <laughs> I mean, I want to like, I really want to say that Arizona State's going to play better. Um, I, I really do. They played well, you know, um, against the Trojans uh, for a little bit, uh, not in the second half. Um, is the running back's name? I haven't had a chance to watch him too much, just kind of a little bit here and there. Is it um, Zadavion or Zavion Halliday? Um, what's his name? Valade is it? Valade is his last name. I haven't heard how it's pronounced the first part of it. Zavion maybe? Yeah, that's that's what I was guessing. Dude, I really want to see how he performs against UW. Um, I think UW may not be as tough as we thought. You know, last week I think that was exposed. And if ASU can uh, <laughs> block a little bit, um, could open some holes. Um, so that's basically the only hope and logical reason I can give you for ASU winning. It's probably not going to happen. The fact that we don't know this guy's game, uh, this guy's name, and like or can't pronounce it clearly. And he's a superstar. Like, this is a superstar. Should just tell you um, kind of how troubled ASU's program is. Um, and it's in a tough spot right now. And I think UW's really just going to capitalize and take advantage. And this is one of those times where maybe other weeks, you know, um, if her, basically if Herm Edwards was still there, I'd fire a lot of shots. But I just want to um, – ASU's in a tough spot right now. And I wish um, the best for the program. And I think UW's going to go down there and uh, – handle business um if you know i think michael Penix jr roma dunes probably enough to take care of that themselves um emory jones is a little bit too young for asu um and really just yeah man i mean asu's in a tough spot right now you know i'm just gonna take care of them yeah what's your uh, score prediction on that one i think the spread is 14 you got asu covering or washington uh I, if I, I believe washington i got 38 uh, 17 Damn, so you got them. Okay, so that's like a 21-point game. Interesting. All right. You know, the Sun Devils played pretty good against USC in the first half, and the only or one of the hopes that I have for this matchup is what um, Bill McGovern did at UCLA to UW system last week, and if the defensive coordinator out there at Arizona State can copy that um, game plan and strategy and play calling and scheme it, it really could be the blueprint for how to stop Kalen DeBoer's offense. Um, so that's my one little spot of hope. And, and UW does not have a very good secondary, but ASU is more of a run-based offense where they, they, get, the, they get the ball moving on the ground versus um, in the air. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's probably not going to be a very close game, but I, I think ASU could cover – it's in the middle of the day, so it's kicking off at, at 1, I think. And the sun here in Arizona at 1 p.m. through, like, 4 p.m. is going to be very intense, even though it's been very – a lot cooler these last few days. I think the high is projected to be 90 degrees. But, you know, 
I don't know. I, it's it's going to be tough for ASU to win, but I think they cover. All right, so last last game we're switching to. Can I can I interrupt you really quickly? Because I want to ask you one thing. This is kind of why um, I withheld uh, my uh, kind of. I want to hear what your take is really quickly on um, Sean Iguano, the ASU coach, because I know he's like supposed to be really like historically, you know, this big time Arizona high school coach. Um, obviously, you've been in the region. If he's that big of a historical, you know, high school coach, does he like? You know, you're in football circles. Is he a name, or is or is this just kind of something that they're going to glorify? Him? You know what I mean? Is this, are, they, are they glorifying him, or is this like a guy who can actually get the job done? You know? Yeah. Well, that's Phoenix, and most of the schools or the big football schools for Arizona high school um, are in Phoenix, and I don't know very much about Phoenix. I, I intentionally don't um, learn about Phoenix or anything really to do with it, but, um, (laughs) yeah, he, he has been trying very, um, publicly to get a bunch of the high schools, um, to come to their practices. I guess it was fall break this week. So they were able to bring in a whole bunch of the high school football players, um, from, from the Phoenix Metro area into, uh, the program for a visit and to see practice, I think. Jed Fish at Arizona has been emphasizing in-state recruiting. I think it was kind of not as important to Herm Edwards. They were really focusing on California, building their program with California kids and sort of turned a blind eye to Arizona kids and sort of rubbed a lot of the Phoenix football coaches the wrong way where you have your local school basically thinking that the players um, in Arizona aren't good enough for the program. So he's, he's trying to change that perception, which is smart. I think you always want to recruit in state, no matter what, you know, what school you are, what um, state you're in. And there is a lot of good football uh, players in the state of Arizona. So I think it's a good idea what he's doing, but I don't know very much about him. I had never heard of him before this, um, before he became the interim coach. So you know, who knows, man? They got to do what they got to do. Those sanctions are coming, man. Who knows how, <laughs> how big it's going to be, you know? But it's not the punishment as much as the perception of you're going to get punished. And that's really what hurts the recruiting more than the actual punishment itself. Um, so, yeah. I, dude, I don't mess with Phoenix. I don't mess with Phoenix, man. I'm from Tucson, <laughs> born and raised. We don't like each other, man. Like, the people from Tucson literally don't like people from Phoenix, and the feeling is mutual. So, like, it's uh I don't know it's weird man but um <laughs> okay 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 no, back no, on track no, no no that was a good no that that, that was a very nice uh you um you may have a future in politicianing or politicianing because uh because like man so what I heard is that uh he, he's doing his best to bring in high school recruits which is cool respect that trying to get them in the practices um Jed Fish is doing a better job <laughs> this is the second point. <laughs> And the third point was that you've never heard of him. So, which means he is, I mean, uh, he's probably not good. <laughs> like, big time high school coach, like, big time high school coaches, you know the name. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. Um, and I think uh, the results of he hasn't stepped in. Uh, you know, he, he didn't beat USC last week. And uh, sometimes random interim coaches do pull off upsets. I mean, just think of, not upset, but think of Jake Dickert and how he handled Huskies in the Apple Cup last year. So, when an interim coach has the opportunity, um, the opportunity is there, plain and simple. And you do have D1 athletes on their team. Um, ASU is obviously pretty depleted, but um, yeah, um, let, let's move forward. You know, let's. Uh, what are your thoughts on the um, Arizona uh, Oregon game? I think we're kind of getting to that half an hour ish point here. Yeah. So um, Arizona has has historically played Oregon very well in Tucson. So the Ducks haven't won here 
since 2011. Um, there was also a game that they lost, I think, in 2008. There was a really good game in 2009 that Duck Twitter will still tweet out about whenever they think about it. It's um, Nick Foles was the quarterback for Arizona. Um, the students had uh, rushed the field, kind of, had gotten onto the field before the end of the game, and Oregon came down and tied it, and then it went to double overtime. Oregon ended up winning. And basically that game was to get to the Rose Bowl because both programs the next week had soft opponents, and it was pretty much determined, I think, um, to, that game was up for the for, to go to the Rose Bowl. I remember that. I was in the student section as a high school kid, so that um, – that was a crazy one. But, yeah, like, no, Arizona, I don't think they're going to win against uh, Oregon this weekend. Mostly because the run defense for the Wildcats is terrible. It's really bad. It's one of the worst in the country. And Oregon has, um, I think, a top ten rushing offense. So the the matchup with the, the stats, the analytics, just does not favor Arizona at all. But then on the other hand, Oregon has a poor pass defense, and Arizona has a really good passing offense. So it's sort of like – uh, strength on weakness and both teams strengths are going up against both teams weaknesses. So I think uh, turnovers will make a big difference. If Arizona can force a turnover or two in the first half and capitalize with touchdowns off of those turnovers, I think Arizona could pull off the upset. I don't think it's going to happen, but they could certainly it's going to be a sellout. There's only like 800 tickets left. So it's going to be full first sellout at Arizona stadium since 2015 there's a lot of hype, man. The game starts at 6 p.m., which is really nice. The weather here has been great, man. It's been raining the last couple of days. I think today it was only in the 80s. So it's going to be a, a big environment, and Arizona's going to be really, really excited to play. But I think Oregon ends up getting the victory. What do you think about this matchup? Yeah, you're not going to like my take on this. I, I think I had the Ducks killing them. It's like I pulled the score. I had 42-20. And um, – yeah. The reason is I just look at Oregon. Um, Bo Nix, uh, again, what he did in that WSU matchup and continuing on forward, he's starting to look like that dude. I'm looking at his stature now. He's got over 1,200 yards, um, 12 touchdowns, three interceptions. And those uh, three interceptions, I think, were all against Georgia and WSU. So he's really um, starting to emerge. Um, another thing, too, is uh, before the year, I kept talking about Byron Cardwell. <clears throat> Byron Cardwell, Byron Cardwell, Byron Cardwell. Um, I don't really know where he's been. He's barely touched a rock, maybe injured or something. But uh, Bucky Irving has really emerged. Um, I don't know if you'd call him necessarily, you know, NFL, even an NFL player, really. Um, maybe he is. I'll give him some respect. Give him respect. Maybe he is. But uh, definitely, uh, you know, probably not a first-round, second-round type guy. He gets the job done at the college level. Um, you know, he's hard He's hard running. Uh, he's, he's an Oregon guy, so he's more athletic than most players in the conference. Can run over, run through people. Um, he's averaging 7.5 uh, 7 yards per carry right now, and that's just crazy. Um, you got Bo Nix who's averaging 8.2 yards per carry. And um, you combine that with Noah Whittington, who's a nice little kind of change-up in the backfield. He's also averaging 5.3 yards per carry. Um, that's enough with, like, the yards per carry stat. But uh, Noah Whittington, he's uh, kind of like another big body back. So they've, uh, just like, as you touched on, kind of um, should really be able to expose them uh, up front. I think really run the ball. Um, and they're they're finally starting to get something out of the wide opposition. Um, Troy Franklin doesn't jump off the map to me for um, Oregon by any means, but he's starting to gain some confidence, make some plays. He's made a couple of really really nice catches, and I think that confidence grows. And um, he could just become a you know just one of those guys who makes tough catches. He may not 
get as he may not get separation like a Jacob Cowing um, would Arizona run a perfect route like a Jake Bobo or um, maybe Devon Bailey slowly getting there, slowly getting there for me. But um, uh, I mean, Tory Franklin has made some really nice catches though. And I'm going to give him his credit. Um, cre- we're credits too. Again, he's proven to be wrong so far. So um, Oregon's offense is kind of finding their way, finding some pieces and um, that front line has just been proven disgusting all year. Um, and I think they're just really going to do what they have to do. And then Oregon's defense, I think this is one of those games where they're going to hear all the hype. Um, Arizona's receivers last week were crazy, dude. Um, I was watching a, a Pac-12 recap show, and um, dude is like, Tete Ora McMillan, like two one-handed catches. Dorian Singer had two one-handed catches. And it was like NFL highlights. It was so crazy. And I'm um, thinking this is one of those weeks where uh, Oregon, you know, probably heard a lot about it. You got Bennett Williams, who's a really good player back there, probably heard a lot about it. Christian Gonzalez, another good player back in the secondary, another really good player. And they've probably been hearing this, uh, seeing all these highlights. Um, so I think they do, um, if it was my game plan, um, obviously not that coach, but I'd really find a way to shut down uh, McMillan and um, Singer. I don't think that Cowling's just unguardable, so he's going to get his um, plan is simple. Uh, Cowling's just that good. Uh, but I think, again, you just look at Oregon's defense, uh, you keep going down the list, got no swell linebacker. Um, Brandon Dorless, um, really, really, really good week last week. Um, almost got on my uh, players of the week list. Um, what you guys don't see is the players who I just leave off. Um, obviously, I'm not second, like runner ups in that, but uh, he's like, he was one of those guys I just uh, left off last week. So he's kind of start, uh, starting to find his rhythm or uh, been finding his rhythm. He's had a really good game last week. Um, Justin Flo, you know, back this year, healthy from injury, got 19 tackles in the season. Hasn't had any really big explosive plays yet, but um, maybe this is his breakout game. And just, again, top to uh, top to bottom, you can throw even Mace Foon in there. There's just so many good players um, on Oregon's defense. So I think they find a way to do enough, um, put some pressure. How does Arizona's line match up um, against Oregon's defensive line? Uh, that's another big question. Um, you can't just run screens the whole game, particularly with, um, again, Bennett Williams and uh, Christian Gonzalez out there at some point. Um, you know, they're going to make adjustments, get, um, and, you know, do what they have to do, maybe jump around or something. So I just want to see how um, – I think, that again, just Oregon really handles them. Um, but if they don't um, – yeah, dude, I, there's no feel-good stories. I think, I think Oregon handles them this week. Um, yeah. Yeah, the line of Arizona offensive line is doesn't really match up very well against Oregon's defensive line. Arizona really struggled against Mississippi State's size and speed up front. And something similar is going to happen this week. And then Arizona's defense, just plain and simple, is not very good. So it could get ugly. That's why the spread, I think, is 13 and a half at this point. But all right, man, before we wrap this episode up, there's one thing you said last week that I want to touch on. So if the Pac-12 does start to fall apart, I don't think the Wazoo would ever go to the Mountain West. I think the Pac-12 would absorb most, most teams from the Mountain West. So is that a perspective up there in Pullman that you guys are legitimately – would go to the to the Mountain West? Like, is that real, or are you just messing around? I mean, most Pullman people don't, or, like, most WC people went to WC would probably never think that or admit that. But for sure, dude, I mean, you look at the large-scale image of the Pac-12, it just, I mean, it's about money. We're all, you know, like, bro, I, I live my life for fun. Like, I do my best to, like, be a good person, but, like, you got to eat. Um <laughs> I like food, dude. You know, food, <laughs> food is tasty. What was the question? 
Let's start talking about food. <laughs> no, it's, it's about whether whether they would really go to the Mountain West. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, so yeah, oh yeah, so that makes sense. What I was talking about, you got to eat. Yeah, because I mean, dude, like four people live in Pullman. If you've ever like driven there, dude, like from Seattle, it's literally like you drive um, about two hours. They're like, um, uh, did you have a girlfriend up here in the Northwest one time? Yeah, for a little bit. Yes. What um have you ever been to like Bellevue or Esquadal? I uh, no, I don't think so. Screw these regional references. This is great podcasting. Um, basically, you drive, <laughs> <laughs> you drive through like like kind of like some east uh, like some nice towns on like western Washington for two hours. Then you get to the mountains for like two hours, and then you drive through the middle of nowhere for four hours, and then you reach Pullman. So let me break that down quickly for those of you who need a re- recap. Hour and a half of trees and mountains, pretty cool, and then three hours of absolutely nothing and i mean nothing like no, like nothing they're not like like so like bro and so that's where pullman is it's eight miles from moscow idaho don't call it moscow we're not in russia bro moscow like it's eight miles from there like like people <laughs> like people, like bro that's not a market <laughs> like the pac-12 is like oh yeah let's go get these guys out here these guys they all thirty thousand of them when like i mean come on it's not like Tucson is a huge town, but it could, like, eat Pullman, dude. Like, I mean, you know, so Pullman is, I mean, it's, I I don't think it's a logical perspective for most Cougar fans, but for me, and just looking at it from a financial standpoint, if the Pac-12 has got to cut someone, it's WCU and Oregon State. Um, Will that happen? I don't know. And there are some weird metrics in WCU's defense. Um, I saw them a while back when this whole thing happened. There's some weird, like, metrics where WCU actually has, like, some, weird odd value and they're like high up on rankings and just some weird wcu way so the same way coog fans have like the flag at every college game day i mean great fans it's just a market size thing um so again i don't think that all coogs think that but yeah i mean i think that the pac-12 breaks up wc probably had the mountain west um i think the oregon state's there too so uh I mean, you do chance, chance, and all. You, why do you guys lose the freaking like you interceptions <laughs> and like why? I mean, Cam Ward, you're throwing the ball in the air, but then you don't want to get it done. You let Bo Nix get you in the end, so that's not you have on the Mountain West, bro. Like, I mean, <laughs> <all right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry, Cougar Nation. Remember, I'm a Coug, Oregon State fan. Remember, I'm following the same boat as you. Much love, but hey, go laugh yourself. We'll go beat those Mountain West schools, baby. <laughs> but no, um, <laughs> no but no, in all seriousness i really hope the pac-12 um, stays together i literally chose my college um like because it was a pac-12 school like that was like probably not like the most logical choice as an 18 year old but like this is me you're talking to so like i literally chose like wc because it's a pac-12 school so hopefully it does stay in the pac-12 i've grown from that point i think maybe uh, that, you know like maybe you know like but uh yeah yeah, well, on another episode, we'll talk about the whole realignment thing. There's been a lot of links with Arizona to the Big 12. So, um, all right, man. Well, this was another good episode. Uh, everybody, games this weekend are going to be good. So, everybody, stay safe. Have fun. If you get to go to your home game, yell loud. You affect the game. Support your local team because, you know, that's, that's what we're here to do. So, until then, everybody stay safe.